Hey, this is Andy McCotter Bicknell, and you're listening to How to Lead, where world-class leaders share their stories and best practices that you can implement now on your journey to leadership. My guest in this episode is Blair Hervey. Blair is the field productivity and readiness lead at Amazon Web Services, but you may also know her as the corporate strategist. As the corporate strategist, Blair personally helps train organizations in areas of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, as well as individuals with career coaching and business building strategies. And I've had the pleasure of working with Blair in the past, and I can tell you that she's one of those leaders who absolutely lights up a room and gets the best out of everybody that she works with. She breaks down some really great enablement and coaching best practices that I can't wait to share with you all here. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Blair Hervey. The first thing I want to touch on is your experience in both sales and enablement. So when did you realize that coaching slash leading was a better fit for you versus going at it alone as a seller? Right. That's a great question. And again, thank you for having me. I would have to say that I've been in sales since I was 19. Now, I love to say that most people can't tell that that's been almost two decades. Right. But I started um, knocking on doors, selling security systems and it was 100 percent commission. And I would knock on those doors in Atlanta from you know 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and oftentimes earlier and sometimes even later. And I didn't even know I was 100 percent commission for months. So I was doing a very good job by myself. But what I started to realize was that I was creating these processes that could be duplicated to help build a team. And so then I was able to scale my efforts. So not only was I able to make money, but the folks around me were able to make money. They were developing as leaders as well. And they trusted me with certain steps of their process, right, as they continued to grow. And I love that. I loved being able to, to help others grow. And I realized, you know what? This is something that not only I do naturally, but something I want to continue to do. So I, I realized that pretty early on in my career. And so it seemed like, based off of that story, you started just naturally leading, even though you were in kind of an individual contributor role. Like nobody assigned you to be handing out your processes to anybody, right? You got it. I think I've been a, one of those individuals who's always led without authority, although oftentimes people say that I have the uh, presence or the confidence to kind of fill a room. Um, I think it's a natural gift and I definitely don't take it for granted or take advantage of it, but I feel like it's, it's a part of my calling. So I am called and pushed to um, lead others, encourage others and develop others. So I do it with a servant yeah. heart. And tell us about your other business or your other alias as the corporate strategist. Okay. So when did you realize that you wanted to do that in addition to your, your day job, essentially, like, how did you start it? How has it evolved over time? All that good stuff. Yeah, I think that's going to take longer than a 20 minute podcast, honestly. But I will say that it really started last year, uh, March of 2020. I made a decision that it was time for me to bet on myself. And it was time for me to take the things that all of my values and take them very seriously. So I started the um, corporate strategist thinking about all of the gifts that I could share with the world, you know, for a fee. Uh, it was image consulting. It was financial literacy. It was career coaching, business coaching. It was all those things in addition to motivational speaking. So I thought about 
all of the things that people are always tapping me on the shoulder for, um, that was a bad idea. So <laughs> to offer so many things, I, you know, was a jack of all trades, but I wasn't able to be proficient and truly an expert and share my expertise in any of those things until I decided to skinny those things down. And so now I really focus on motivational speaking, uh, career coaching, uh, slash leadership development. And um, those are actually, those are the main two things and the main three things mm -hmm. you could say that I focus on so love it yeah one thing that I want to kind of double click on a bit is the the career coaching aspect and the public speaking I know that one thing that people kind of go through when they venture out into new territories is imposter syndrome like who am I to start ad advising others on their career start yeah. speaking publicly and yeah. you clearly felt really comfortable especially enough to make this a part of your of, a, of the corporate strategist. And so did you go through any phases of imposter syndrome or how did you work through those in order to make it a part of the corporate strategist? I think oftentimes when we have an idea and we want to start a business, uh, we want to have all of our ducks in the row and we want everything to be perfect. And sometimes you just have to, most times, you just have to take that leap of faith and be willing to you know, fail forward if that is going to be the case. So quitting my job at the time was that thing. And uh, you know, I didn't have anything really to fall on. So I truly bet on myself. The imposter syndrome, of course it sneaks in from time to time, but I also realized I have built an amazing body of work at several large organizations and people have, um, either tap me on the shoulder. I've been recruited, I think for my past, I don't know, handful of roles. So there are people that are constantly seeing th things in me that I may not have seen in myself. And at some point you have to decide who you are, who you want to be and how you want to be perceived. And once you make that decision, you commit to it and you dedicate the work to it. And then you show up every single day. And my goal is to show up, uh, something that I heard at, you know, a former organization, but, you know, just 1% better every single day. And that's my goal. So the imposter syndrome kind of melts away um, because as I'm getting better, I'm, I'm getting a lot better than a lot of people out there. So I yeah. am the go-to person and that fills me with some confidence. Nice. Yeah. I love the, the betting on yourself angle and really you can tell that you you want to learn more, you want to be 1% better every day, but at the same time, you are acknowledging the work that you've already put in to get to where you are today. So it's kind of a, a unique balancing act, at least True. from what I'm hearing. And I, there, that actually brings me into my next question, which is the fact that you're pursuing an MBA. And I think mm -hmm. that that's something that a lot of folks try to juggle. You know, They try to think yeah. like, is this the right move for me? When should I start to take that next step? When do I know that I need to start investing more in my education. So tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about that thought process for you. How did you know that that was the right decision for you? Listen, Andy, I'm an ambition addict and I need to work <laughs> on that. I truly need to work on that. Um, but I was recruited for that as well. So truth be told, I have not and had not um, completed my bachelor's degree. I think I was like eight classes away. And I just decided that it wasn't a part of my journey. Um, there would be times when I would go to college or I'll go back to college, but I would apply that knowledge right away and I would get promoted almost right away. And I would make money, make more money right away. So I would drop out and then I would go back and I continue this cycle for quite some time. And so I got to a point in my career where I was definitely making well over six figures without a degree. So hmm, I, I didn't really need it. And I was doing the work that I loved. So when I was tapped on the shoulder for this opportunity, 
opportunity. I thought it was unique. I thought it was well-timed. Um, again, it was about this time last year, maybe the year before, so I can't remember. And you again, I had someone who was seeing something in me that I hadn't seen in myself. Uh, truth be told, you have to stick to your values and you have to stay in alignment with who you are. Um, and I decided that it wasn't for me. So I actually... <laughs> Again, I left that, that particular school, but I had the opportunity to learn something and apply it quickly. Now, what I learned from that particular situation and all the others is investing in yourself is important, but it's not always gonna look the same for everyone. So I've taken the non-conventional path. I love certifications. I obtained a certification, strategic organizational management at PSU, Portland State University. And I was able to apply that very quickly. And then again, I was recruited for a very large company, you may have heard of it, Amazon, uh, web services. So I'm doing all right. But again, that's what works best for me. I also put in work in different areas to continue to invest in my education. So mm -hmm. won't, won't, won't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what I'm hearing, and that's another thing too, is that is specifying it's, it's what works for you. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of folks, me included, you know, I think about this all the time, like it, you know, I'll just randomly Google, you know, the value of you know, getting that next degree or a specific certification. And sure. I feel like almost, you know, it's something that you're going to, you're not going to really know until it's 100%, right? Until you're ready to make that leap yourself. Like nobody else, no other analyst or CEO or whoever is going to be able to really convince you that now is the next, is the best time to take that next step. Um, and so I totally agree with you there. I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to talk just about leadership in general, because based off of your, you know, your history, you know, starting sales door to door when you, do you say when you were 19? I apologize. Okay. So my sales career started when I was 19, but I actually started knocking on doors four years later. I think I was like 23 or 24 when I moved to Atlanta. So still around okay. the same time, but yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So during that time, obviously like that would be a that's a pretty, say, stressful, you know, when you're waking up early, you're, that's about as, you know, you're getting direct feedback from the folks that you're knocking on the door with. So I'm curious, who did you take leadership inspiration from? Or if there's not one person, then what was it about the people around you that you worked with that really inspired you to be a better leader? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so as I mentioned, I did move to Atlanta when I was about 23 years old. What I didn't mention was I moved with um, a little human, a four-year-old at the time. So my son, who is now 18 and on his way to college. So that was my motivating factor was to think about how do I, again, I love Louisville, Kentucky. That's where all my family lives. But for me, I knew that I needed to expose myself and my son to just a different environment and different opportunities. And so I would often travel back and forth between Kentucky and Georgia um, just to get a different experience for vacations and hang out with my girlfriends or whatever. But every time I would go there, I would see young black folks who were aspiring to be something and they were already calling themselves what they were or what they wanted to be, you know, an entrepreneur. Um, it could be an artist, it could be a producer, it could be, you know, if they're, you know, a graduate, things of that nature. They were already calling themselves what they intended to be. And that really stuck with me. 
And especially because again, it was so many young people who looked like me. I was encouraged, I was inspired. I could be fashionable in a way that you know I wasn't able to be, or I felt like I wasn't able to be in Louisville. Um, I was really able to be my full authentic self. So moving to Atlanta was one of those moments that really, um, really inspired me to, to do something big and, and to, I think I went off on a little bit of a tangent. I forgot what the original question was. Andy. No, this is perfect. This is this is perfect. This is okay, exactly good. what I was looking for. I was like, what was the question? <laughs> so for me, it's so funny that you mentioned that because it's almost like the opposite of how I grew up. And I love your perspective because mm -hmm. when I grew up, it was all about like, you had to earn the right to like call yourself a specific name. You had to get to that point. And you know, like mm. I was doing creative things even from a young age. And so I was an artist as soon as I, like when I was like three, essentially, but like I felt at the time that I wasn't good enough to call myself an artist or oh. a leader, like those kinds of things. And honestly, that's kind of why I started this podcast, this, this how to lead title, because I almost don't consider myself a leader in some ways, but that's, yeah. that really just kind of clicked kind of in my head, you mentioning that. And so I really appreciate oh. that. That was, that was well, really great. No problem. And I actually remember the question you were asking, like who motivated me or kind of inspired me. Yeah. 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 What which has always been a challenge, honestly, because I've worked in predominantly white male spaces. I mean, my entire career, right. Being in sales and in tech sales yeah. and um, sales enablement actually probably has more women um, as time went on, I believe. But I remember walking into the office that day, the office where I, I was going to start selling security systems from. It was not just a, you know, wear polos and, you know, khakis sort of situation. You wore a suit into the office. You had to have this positive attitude all the time. Like people got fired for what is called negging out. So having a negative attitude. So if you came back after a hard day and you were, uh, you know, unpacking all of that, you could get let go for that. And I saw it happen, mm -hmm. but I came into the office um, probably within my first couple of weeks. I saw two young black men in the front of the stage, not college graduates, but they were so poised and they were so um, compelling in how they told stories and how they trained. And I was so motivated by seeing them. And today, those two, I would definitely say um, one of which is for sure my mentor, but I work with both of them to this day. So again, I think it's really important to not only uh, be able to see who you are and who you want to be and call yourself that, but you be, have to see yourself in others. Representation is so important. So important. Just mm -hmm. imagine if you would have seen someone at a young age who was already referring to themselves as an artist, you would have been like, I'm an artist too. Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's really important. For sure. How did you approach? Cause you I saw that you mentioned that you're still uh, you're like one of those folks is a mentor of yours. How did you approach? Yes. How did you approach that person about a, a, a mentorship opportunity? Was it super formal, or did you just try to get to know them a little bit better? Or how did that work? You know, I mean, that person, they're both like my brothers today. And I'll just call them out. Justin Owens is definitely my mentor. Um, he is living a life that I am I am admire, I am impressed by um, because I've seen him go from, and he will tell the stories, but sleeping in a car to, you know, owning the cars that he has now and impacting the people that he has now, but it was never formal. He's like my brother. And we're, I mean, essentially we're peers. He's a, you know, a few years younger than me, honestly. And I think at one point I had to put my ego aside 
and say, you know what, this is a person who took a different path, but they are doing the things that I would love to do on a much larger scale. How can I learn from this person? And um, I feel like we were assigned to one another. Like he was assigned to me, I was assigned to him, but I never just said, hey, will you be my mentor? I called him what he was. And uh, I think that has been um, very impactful in my life for sure. The next question I have is, and this is actually one of my favorites. So let's talk about mistakes. Because in my opinion, like the things that I've learned the most from in my career are when I screw things up mm. and I learn from it and that's, it sticks with me because of how bad I screwed something up. It's like, okay, I'm never going to do that again. And so right. is there anything in your career where you kind of fumbled and it helped you become a better leader moving forward because of it? You know, yeah, I can think of a couple of several situations, <laughs> but I would say um, most recently in my diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging journey. So over the past maybe five or six years or so, um, I started traveling down this path of advocacy. And before it was very informal and I didn't even you know, realize what I was fumbling into. It was mainly based on my lived experiences and how I felt either excluded. Um, I didn't feel like my voice was amplified. I didn't feel, I felt like people around me were responsible for my career and they were impacting me or impeding me in different ways. And so oftentimes that would come out in a very emotional way, a very impulsive. I didn't take time to think about it. I didn't take time to think through my thoughts. I didn't take the time to get sponsors. Um, or even have a conversation with leadership or the organization. Now I did get to that point and uh, later on in life, but I think that those particular stumbling uh, blocks or those missteps um, helped me get here where I can create programs and I can help again scale those efforts and help other uh, women and individuals navigate the complexities of corporate spaces and speak up for themselves, right? We don't have to take these things as par for the course. And I think that, you know, pay disparity, um, I think unequal opportunities to advance. I think, you know, seeing again, uh, black women make 38% less than white men for doing the same job is, you know, something that we normalized. Um, but again, I would say the misstep in the beginning was um, approaching that again, very impulsively or emotionally. Emotion is fine, but not being able to have uh, an adult conversation or um, an emotionally intelligent conversation was where um, I definitely went wrong in the very beginning. So I'm glad mm -hmm. to have learned from those mistakes for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And thank you very much for sharing that. I, so I, whenever I am in a similar like position of someone pushing back on me, I also kind of get into like, I think it's just kind of natural when we get fired up about a subject that we're mm -hmm. really passionate about, we just get you know, defensive. And I, like, for me, I, I start kind of like, I, like I go quiet almost and like yep. it, it, it's, it's very difficult to like think about like how am I supposed to respond to this are, are there any specific like thought exercises that you've gone through to like in the moment to make sure that like your responses are exactly how you want to present yourself and and represent kind of your your desires your passions but like in a in a cohesive way yes data <laughs> so data, whenever I, yes it. data so whenever I have a point that I need to make I use data to back that up or if something is said to me that throws me off I do have a data point or I'll say you know that's interesting let's dive deeper into that so I have a better understanding of where you're coming from can you share with me some data points that led you to that conclusion 
right? And so again, we're taking the emotion out of it and emotion in the sense of, I'm just going to be impulsive. I'm just going to say what I'm thinking um, and I'm, I'm learning. So, and that's something that makes you a great leader is that compassion and is taking the time to understand a different perspective. So, I mean, that's, those are thought exercises that have worked really well for me, not responding right away. Um, but if I'm in that moment, I, I always respond with, oh, that's interesting. Let's dive a little bit deeper. Let me have a, so I can have a better understanding of your perspective. And people are usually mm. thrown off, <laughs> but it allows us to have a real conversation. Self-awareness nice. is key. Absolutely. Okay, last question I have for you. Resources that have helped you in your career. So books, quotes, blogs, what have helped you um, as you've been going from individual seller to enablement Mm -hmm. manager to the corporate strategist? What would you recommend to other folks that are trying to take the next step on their leadership journey? Sure. Um, Book, I would say multipliers. I've loved that book since it was assigned to me at one of my last organizations. It's multipliers by Liz Wiseman. So she went on this journey to investigate, you know, what are the traits that really bring out the best in people from those particular leaders? And she determined that there were multipliers and there were diminishers. Learned a lot from it. And I learned more about how to be a multiplier, more of a genius maker. As far as quotes, um, I would say, what is it? Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. That's one of my favorite quotes and so true. Um, Again, it goes back to those degreed individuals versus those who have grit, passion, and perseverance. I'll outwork you every single day. It doesn't matter what it says on that resume. It doesn't matter what you can slide across the table. And as far as um, blogs, what do I, I listen to the breakfast club every day. So I love Charlemagne the God. I do. I do. I love how he interviews. Um, I respect how he um, is very candid. I love his radical candor. So those are the things that I I listen to every day and and read and kind of pay attention to. Blair, thank you so much for joining us on the How to Lead podcast. Really enjoyed the uh, conversation. And I know a lot of folks are going to get value from this as well. So I hope that you have a great rest of your day, great rest of your week. And thank you again. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Hey, you made it to the end of the episode. If you're listening to this message, shoot me a note on LinkedIn and let me know what you thought. And be sure to follow this podcast so you can stay up to date on new episodes moving forward. See you next time.